back in Luke chapter 1 tonight. Luke chapter 1, giving a a little more detail as we uh, look at Mary's response to Elizabeth. uh, There in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46 and following. But there's no question, as we looked at this morning and, and we considered the joy that filled uh, this this entire situation that that filled Mary, that filled Elizabeth, that filled a, a, even uh, baby John, who was still in the womb, joy completely uh, just just overflowed out of the situation happening here uh, with the conception of Christ in Mary. So we'll be focusing tonight, like I said, there on on Mary's response, and we'll kind of look uh, verse by verse just a little bit. To, to see uh, some of the, the things that Mary says and a little more background, how that ties into some Old Testament promises. And uh, I think, uh, uh, well, it was interesting to me. Uh, I hope it's interesting to you too. So uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to look back into your word and to look Uh, at this response from Mary. And Father, I pray tonight that you would speak through me and speak to each of our hearts as we we look at your scripture. Teach us the things you'd have us to know here and help us to leave here tonight uh, maybe more confident than ever that, uh, that you fulfilled your promises through the birth of Jesus and that your promises hold true for us today still. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's just jump right into it here. Mary focuses... Uh, on three things. See, this morning I, 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 was, I was happy. We got done at what I call five minutes early because <laughs> I only had a two-point sermon. Tonight I got a full-fledged three-point sermon, but I think it's still shorter. So we'll just see how this goes. But three points, let me give them to you uh, before we get started. She talk, Mary talks about God's goodness towards herself. She talks about God's goodness towards all of mankind. And then she talks just briefly there at the end about God's goodness towards his people, Israel. So let's uh, jump in and just start looking at uh, God's goodness towards Mary in verse 47. She says this, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. Now what's significant about this verse? Well, there's some very significant doctrinal issues here as you look at uh, world religions and and how others uh, who uh, claim Christianity view Mary. See here, Mary recognized God as her Savior. And some uh, would, would say that uh, Mary uh, was immaculate or, or free of the original sin. Mary didn't view herself that way. 
Here in verse 47, Mary says, I need a Savior. And God is my Savior. Quite the opposite. She uses, or quite the opposite of how some people, uh, some uh, religious, uh, some religions would, would view Mary. She uses language of a person who knows that her only hope is found in the grace of God and that grace that's been bestowed upon her. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he, in verse 48, has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. This morning, I mentioned that, that Mary, is her, part of her joy, and probably a, a large majority, if not all of her joy, came from the fact that she was intimately familiar with the promises of the Old Testament concerning the Messiah. And she was, she was intimately uh, knowledgeable of, of the stories throughout the Old Testament. And as she thought about those and she reflected upon what the angel had told her and this baby that was growing in her womb, there's no doubt seeing the promises of God fulfilled brought her great joy. Well, in verse 48, we see a, a look back, an allusion to an Old Testament story. The word regarded there not, it means noticed or paid special attention to. And it'd be the same word and the same phrase used in 1 Samuel chapter 1 in the vow of Hannah, where Hannah refers to herself as the maidservant of the Lord. So Mary's recalling that vow that, that, uh, that Hannah made all the way back there. It, but here's something else from verse 48. Why did God notice Mary? She says in verse 48, he regarded, he noticed. He called special attention to me. Why? Because of her humility. You see, James and Peter, they both quote a, a proverb that Mary would have known. I think it's in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why did God notice Mary? It was because of her humility. God could have chosen anybody he wanted to, to have brought Jesus Christ into the world. Had he wanted to in his divine plan, he could have chosen a queen. He could have chosen the, the mayor's daughter, or he could have chosen some rich person, but he didn't. He chose a poor, humble girl to bring the most powerful person who's ever existed into existence for one reason, so that his power could be magnified. And I believe this is a picture in some ways of our salvation. She says he is the God, he is God her Savior, God my Savior in verse 47. He regarded her lowly state, her humble state, but, you know, humility is a requirement of our salvation because we have to first realize that we can't do it on our own, that we can't get to heaven on our own, and that we do need a Savior. Why did God choose Mary? Well, in large part, in Mary's words, because of her humility, her lowly state, as it's translated here in the New King James Version. 
So we'll move on to verse 49. It says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. More allusions to the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, in several different places, we find these same words. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, at King Saul's coronation, Samuel says this, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. What did Mary say? He's done great things for me. Again, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, after God has made his covenant with David, David in turn gives thanks to the Lord, and in his, uh, his thanksgiving, he mentions the great things that God has done for him. And then Psalm 126 closely resembles parts of verse 48 and 49 together. If we read, For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Well, listen to Psalm 126, verses 2 and 3, talking about the return of Israel from captivity. The psalmist writes this, Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, meaning the other nations said of Israel, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad, or we are joyful. And so, so the psalmist said, because the other nations see what great things God has done for us, that makes us happy. Well, what does Mary say here? You see, at first reading, somebody might just think, uh, says, all the nations will call me blessed, wouldn't she putting herself on a pedestal? No. When she, says all, when she says all the generations will call me blessed, she's not bragging on herself. They're going to call her blessed because of what God did, not because of what she did. Alluding there to Psalm 126, they'll call me blessed for, beginning in verse 49, means because. They're going to call me blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me. So it's not about Mary. It's about God, and she wants to make sure that we know, and she wanted to make sure, as, as the Holy Spirit spoke through her there in front of Elizabeth, that, well, God wanted to make sure everybody who'd ever read this knew the Christmas story is not about Mary. The Christmas story is about the wonderful things that God has done to provide salvation for all of mankind. So we move on, we look at God's goodness towards all of mankind there, beginning in verse 50. It says, And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. As Mary shifts from, from what God's done to, uh, for her into what God is doing uh, for all of mankind, it's almost as if she's quoting the 103rd Psalm when she talks about verse 50. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Psalm 103, verse 17 and 18 says this, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. I think it's amazing how much uh, Mary's uh, words here mirror the Old Testament. 
It's just, it's absolutely amazing. You know, and it kind of says to me, I'm, I may have going to be going to say this later, but I'll say it here. It's amazing to me that God chose to use somebody for this incredible service who was intimately familiar with his word. And so I would say to people who say, why isn't God using me? I'd say, well, how close are you to him? It's clear as we look through this, Mary was intimately familiar with God. And so God used her in this amazing way. As we move on, verses 51 through, through 53, wrapping up her talking about uh, all of humanity. He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary's talking about three groups in society. She's talking about the helpless. She's talking about the humble. She's talking about the hungry. Because in that society, the common people were completely helpless when it came to civil rights. They didn't have civil rights. Mary didn't have civil rights. and her She was just a poor person. They didn't matter that much in society. They were often very discouraged as we study uh, the common people in that day and age. Often very discouraged about what little rights they had. You know, as a matter of fact, and of course, they're under Roman oppression. And there was a group uh, called the Zealots, who they were going around trying to kill the Romans, trying to get power back for themselves. But as Mary sits here and she's thinking about this baby that's inside of her and the promises that are being fulfilled, what she's saying in, in verses 51 through 53 is God's turning the table. He's turning things upside down. The weak are going to dethrone the mighty. The humble are going to scatter the proud. The hungry are going to be filled. The rich will become poor. And it's amazing to me how that lines up with the teachings of Jesus himself. When he said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 30, but many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. Jesus turned the tables, and Mary knew that was coming. It lines up with Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 and following. Paul said, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world to put to uh, the things... Uh, and the base things of the world and the things which, are dis which despised God, which are despised, God has chosen. I missed a comma when I was typing that out. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And if you remember over in Acts, I think it's in the, over in Acts chapter 17. What exactly, what, what did Luke say? about what was happening of this new movement that these folks caught, uh, following Jesus Christ. Luke said they turned the world upside down. That's exactly what Mary is saying here. This one who is inside me is going to change things. Things will never be the same. 
for all of mankind because of what God is doing there in her womb. And then one last thing, and, and this is the clearest picture that Mary understands what's happening, that Mary really grasps what the angel told her. In verses 54 and 55, says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. She knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that this baby that is inside of her is the promised Messiah of Israel. There is no doubt in Mary's mind. In verses 54 and 55, she says essentially, you want to see the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises? Here it is, right here inside of me. You want to see it? Just hang around a few more months. Here's the fulfillment of the promises of God. Here's the fulfillment, she says, of the covenant to Abraham. When he said to Abraham, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. How are they going to be blessed? Mary says, right here it is. Here's the fulfillment of the promise. And I was reading all of this. I thought about that, the song, the modern song, Mary Did You Know, that Mark Lowry wrote. You know, and, and that last verse says this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? And that sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. I say that we can leave here tonight beyond a shadow of a doubt. We can say, yes, Mary knew. If nobody else in the world knew, we can read the words of Mary here. And we can be confident in saying that we too know that that's exactly who Jesus Christ was. And I hope that we'll go through this week and the rest of the Christmas season with that confidence in knowing that our Savior, not only did he come, but he lives today. Is there anything before we close?